What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the TSK Show. I'm your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar, and I'm joined by my co-host, the one and only Mr. 360, Tyler Pacholke. Before we start the show, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you decide to listen to the TSK Show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can find myself and Tyler on social media at, at the Duke of Sports and at Tyler Pacholke. On this episode of the TSK Show, we have a really big announcement to kick it all off that we are really excited to share with you all. And then it's back to business as we'll update everyone on how we're doing in the TSK Show Fantasy Football League. And then we're going to reveal the TSK Show Power Rankings. To continue our NFL Week 11 preview, we'll go through each game and make our picks of the week. To close the show, we're going to transition to the hardwood as we got our starting five of headlines a few weeks into the NBA season. All right, let's start the show. Welcome to the sports kingdom. Welcome to the sports kingdom. What's going on, TP? How you doing, man? doing good man i'm excited to be back in the stew yeah man uh took a took a week hiatus had to get things right in this uh, period of transition of the tsk show but we got some big news to share with everybody so uh tyler and i have been doing the podcast for over two years now and this is our 119th episode that's pretty crazy to say right that is that is crazy i remember episode one yeah man just like yesterday right no, I mean it has flown, it has flown by. It definitely doesn't feel like a hundred plus apps over two years. Yeah, but uh, we started recording the the podcast at CSUN at the radio station on campus, and then recently, as you could tell, we've been in a period of transition. But we found a new home in a top secret location to record in, and all I can tell you about it is it's got some top of the line equipment. Am I right, Tyler? Which is good. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a good setup. Yeah, no, this is definitely a much better setup. But in addition to the new recording setup, we're also making an addition to the show by adding another co-host and producer, and that is good friend of the show, none other than Jacob Gonzalez. What's going on, Jacob? How you doing, man? What's up, guys? Thank you guys for having me on a part of the show. Yeah, man. So Jacob is going to be running the board for us here, and he'll hop in the conversation whenever he feels he's got something to add. And and I'll remember to turn on your guys' mics, too, while yes. I'm at it. Yes, that's definitely important. Got to let the people hear us. And he's just going to help us out with a bunch of other stuff, just pre- and post-production. No, good, good to get another uh, get, to get another guy in the road to open out, bring us some more perspective. Yeah, definitely. It's always good to bring another voice to the conversation. I was once a two-time uh, guest. Now I'm uh, here yeah, permanently. It's true. Yeah, man. You're, you're moving on up. Oh, yeah. Step-by-step. Step. comes true. <laughs> But yeah, no, we're really excited to add Jacob to the show. So uh, why don't we just keep this on rolling and get back to business? So Tyler, Fantasy Football, the TSK Show, Fantasy Football League, 10 weeks in. We're three weeks away from the playoffs. How you yeah. doing? Um, I mean, my playoff hopes are gone. I'm basically just trying to get some wins to make myself feel better. But I've won three of the last four. Oh, that's pretty, that's and, good. I mean, I've still just kind of like, you know, every week it gets a little worse, but I've just, I've, I've, uh, I've had the most points 
against. So that's always kind of a tough hurdle to get over. It's kind of just luck of the draw. It's kind of, you know, just like draft order. It's like there's no real it's there's no real skill or, or anything that goes involved to like having to play against the most points. Um, so I'm three and seven. Uh, like I said, I started out 0 and six, one, three, of the last four. Uh, hopefully get another dub here and make my, you know, if I can get to six and seven, I can feel good about that. Okay. So I went one and two in fantasy this week. I lost in the TSK show fantasy football league this week to none other than your brother, Neek Millie. Shout out Neek Millie. Uh, Nico Petrolke. Getting Danny Dimes in there was a big time. Yeah. He beat me 183.7 to 123.7. So it was a shellacking. Yeah, so my game um, at the two-minute warning of the Monday Night Football game, it was a tie game. It was like one twenty-nine point eight tie. Um, two minutes left in the game. Uh, I got Russell Wilson and KJ Wright, and he's got DK. Um, so that game went down to the very wire. I ended up winning. Um, and then in my other league, I, I I got another dub, and I'm in first place. Like. I'm a clear cut first place in that league. There you go. So yeah, no, I mean kind of mixed reviews for my two teams, but uh that's all right. I mean, I'm the commissioner of the league that I'm not doing well in, so I feel all right. Yeah. I'm four and six in the TSK show league. It's it's definitely not looking good for me right now as far as still getting into playoffs, the playoffs. So. It's not looking good. I gotta win out. Still uh still playoff hopes. I mean, you got six roster spots and I'm pretty sure only um only the two division winners are guaranteed, so I think that there can be. I think there's four wild cards. We'll see. So I'm sitting in ninth place our, our right now. Our division's stacked. Yeah, it is. Our division's got the two kind of top teams right now. So yeah, but sitting in ninth place, three weeks left to go before the playoffs start. It, it, it'll it's be an interesting finish push. to the season. But four and six in the TSK Show League, five and five of the league in the League of Fools. And then the lone win I got last week was in the Valley Village Invitational, and that puts me at seven and three. So I'm looking pretty in that in that league. Yeah, I'm just if I can win uh, if I can win my other league, that'll kind of make me feel better about doing so horrible in my other. Yeah, no, I'm at least trying to make the playoffs in one of my leagues, so hopefully I can get some money back. I'm already thinking about next year. I've already thought about making trades for keepers and whatnot. Oh, you're just moving on to the future, I guess. Uh, I got you. I got. I, I am eliminated mathematically. So. Oh, okay. Well, then that makes um, sense. I, I'm. I'm shooting for next year now. All right. Well, let's move on now. We got the next edition of the TSK Show Power Rankings. Yeah, I tried to take a step back this week, and kind of reassess everything. I also tried to. Um, I know this kind of sounds backwards, but I also tried not to think about. Oh, this team beat this team, this team beat this team. And it was just purely because of the meme that went around about the Dolphins. Oh, yeah, being I saw the best that. team in football. Um, so, because, uh, you know, they beat someone that beat someone that beat someone, the, you know, the, the Ravens. It ultimately ended the Ravens beat the Patriots, so the Dolphins were the best team in the league. Yeah, no. Um, so I tried to take a step back, and, and because it is just a one, you know, matchup to matchup kind of game, uh, one game wins you the Super Bowl, one win gets you the Super Bowl. So, um, starting out at, at, uh, at number 10, actually first two teams are Texas teams, but I got Houston Texans at six and three. I think this is their first week in the top 10 this year, actually, maybe the first week. They might've been there early. Yeah. Maybe the first week, uh, preseason, but, 
Uh, Deshaun Watson, I mean, has been playing killer. He's kind of like a dark horse MVP candidate. No doubt. Uh, they're at six and three, and that division's been pretty bad. So uh, they got a shot to win the division and and uh, get in the playoffs. Yeah, with Indianapolis slipping up over the weekend, that I mean, Houston, it's their division to lose at this point. Yeah, and they got if they win their matchup this this week, they could really catapult up the power rankings and really scare a lot of teams. Yeah, I mean, Deshaun Watson, like you said, dark horse MVP candidate. I wouldn't even so much label it as a dark horse candidate. I think he's definitely in the conversation. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, one of the best wide receivers in all of football, and yeah, they're and, getting they're getting Will Fuller back this week, and that, too. And that connection's been at, been at an all-time low, so the fact that they're still figuring out how to win games and that connection's kind of been rusty. Is. Yeah, and losing Clowney to the trade to the Seahawks and losing J.J. Watt for the year, and they're still able to get it done. It's, well, it's and impressive. That, yep, and, and that's, a good, that's a good element in football. When you got a bunch of guys that are playing for jobs and new energy in there, it sometimes it does really well. Yeah. Um, but moving on up, we got, uh, we'll move over to Dallas, Texas. Um, I've reassessed the Cowboys. I've, I've kind of been giving them a lot of love the last like four weeks, but I'm going to take them out down to earth down to nine, even though nine's still a little bit higher than most people. Uh, they're only five and four right now. Uh, but that division is completely winnable right with, uh, with Washington and New York basically out of it. They're just fighting a struggling Philly team. So I still just, you know, it's kind of same old song and dance with Dallas. I still, I still love their offensive line. I still love Zeke. I still love their defense. It's all about just Dak Prescott, um, similar to the Rams situation where, I don't know, Dak, you know, Dak and Goff are both guys that are great sometimes and not great the others. And it seems like their team struggles when they're not great. So um, Dak's going to kind of take them as far as, you know, as they're going to go. Uh, moving into number eight, this is a team, um, like I said, again, I took a step back, uh, is the 49ers um, at eight and one. Wait, what? Wait, what? How do you have them that far low if they're at eight and one and you took a step back? Uh, just because I'm looking at the I'm looking at the future. I'm going to uh, I'm going to explain this real quick. Please do. Uh, they're eight and one. Yeah, they but. Like Richard Sherman told me, keep my same energy, so I'm keeping it. Okay. Uh, they just lost to the Hawks on a heartbreaker on Monday Night Football, and George Kittle's gonna. George Kittle didn't play that game. Who he's like their most, I would say their most talented football player on the offensive side of the ball. Shanahan already uh, said he's ruled out against Arizona too. Shan- he's ruled out against Arizona, even though I think that he, they can win that game. But regardless, one of their best weapons is hurt. Uh, and then the remainder. This is my this is my projection for the Niners season. Is they're eight and one right now. I predict they're back seven. They go two and five. Um, and they're back seven. They play Green Bay at Baltimore at New Orleans at Seattle. And then they also play the Los Angeles Rams, who I don't think is a gimme win. And then they got Atlanta and Arizona, which are the two that I think they can win. So, but I think that they're losing. San Francisco's losing the Green Bay and Rodgers. They're losing in Baltimore right now. They're losing at New Orleans right now as it stands. I think they got a good shot at losing to the Rams, and I think they're going to lose in Seattle. Uh, so I think this team's going to fall apart in the back end. They've been the beneficiary, you know, of a hot start. Um, but ultimately, I think that this team could end up going 10-6 and six and being a wild card team or possibly miss the playoffs. Jimmy G, I just don't think – I mean, what he lost a fumble in both halves – um, he hasn't ever really done anything as far as like winning down the stretch. Um, he's only won meaningless games 
for the most part. So I just don't like the Niners going deep as far as like a Super Bowl run. Yeah, I mean, when you put it, when you when you lay it all out like that, you make a pretty solid argument. And with the way the NFC has gone this season, it's obviously more competitive than the AFC. And the NFC West itself, we've said, it's one of, the, if not the hardest division in football. Yeah. And being at 10 and 6 and potentially being a wild card or missing the playoffs is very, very doable this year in the NFC. And it could happen to not just the Niners. It could happen to anybody, really. Yeah, I mean, I think the NFC West and the NFC North are both going to put teams in the playoffs and as a wild card at 10 and 6. I mean, it looks like it looks like Minnesota and and Seattle, San Francisco are going to be wild cards, and both of those teams are projected ten plus wins right now. And don't get me wrong, I still got the Niners as the top ten team. They do control the line of scrimmage, which I think is one of arguably the biggest X factor outside of you know having a, like a a great quarterback playing call scenario. Yeah, you their defense to, is still one of the top in the league. Yeah, that's the reason why uh, teams. You know, like the Giants um, against the Patriots in the Super Bowl, they beat they beat. You know, those Giants seem more the talented as the Patriots. They just disrupt the line of scrimmage and took the Patriots out of their game. And that's, you know, I said that you know they're they're playing Rodgers, they're playing Lamar Jackson, they're playing Drew Brees, Matt Ryan, Jared Goff, Russell Wilson. That's who they're playing. Um, yeah, they could disrupt those guys and beat them, but I still just. I'm still going with the other guys to beat them and, and for the Niners season to go bad. Okay. Uh, coming in at number seven, I got uh, Kansas City. Kansas City, I think, is a really hard team to judge right now and place just because Mahomes is coming off an injury, so we don't really know. Mahomes' first game back, they lose by three to Tennessee, which is a tough uh, – it was a road game, but it was also their first road loss of the season. So they played really well on the road, which is a good sign. Yeah, Mahomes put up over 400 yards. Mahomes is back, uh, and then they've got a their schedule on their back six games looks pretty favorable in my opinion, outside of the game against New England, and that's going to be a primetime game, Kansas City, New England. So you never know; that could be the Kansas City Rams game of last year we could get the ultimate so far the san francisco seattle game is that you know yeah no i mean that was one of the better uh prime time games i've seen in a while um but you know the chiefs are a team that i like to move up the power rankings but at six and four right now with mahomes being coming off an injury uh, i'm gonna stick him at seven uh, just to give props to the teams ahead of him more so Number six, I got Minnesota Vikings at seven and three. Uh, Minnesota to me is in the same situation as Green Bay, San Francisco, Seattle. Like I said before, they're looking at having to win ten games at least to be a to be a wild card, just because of how dominant those divisions are. Um, I mean, Chicago is even still you know a playoff eligible team at four and five, just like the Rams are at five and four. So there's really a three team playoff push in both of those divisions. Uh, but the Vikings, I mean, they're just they're running the ball really good. That I've, I've always liked their defense. Um, they've got the they they've got the formula for success in the NFL right now. You know, they got a solid quarterback. Dalvin Cook's producing at a at a fantastic rate. Been one of the best uh, running backs in the league. This you know, year. it hasn't even mattered that Thielen's not out there uh, healthy and one hundred percent. So it just shows you what you know when Dalvin Cook's on the field running the ball. That defense is so much better. That team is so much better. 
Um, so I got them at number six in a, in a real Super Bowl contender, although you know how I feel about them really. <laughs> I was just about to say this is the most love I think you've shown Minnesota in a while. Yeah, no, I mean, I like they Dalvin Cook is kind of the difference maker. I think he was injured uh, for most of their last kind of two years uh, when it comes to like, run, you know, playoff runs. So. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, they're a different beasts when he's running the ball well. And then coming at number, what we at? See these numbers? Not having my numbers in front of me are fucking me up. All right, coming into the top five, uh, I got the Green Bay Packers at number five, eight and two. Uh, Rogers, Malafleur look like they're they're on the same page as far as play calling. I think that Malafleur has kind of been like the Steve Kerr with Steph Curry, and he's he's just giving them the ultimate green light, and it's and it's produced and it's made him look smart. Rogers seems to be playing a lot more free. I feel like. Yeah, no, I think I think that he's he's comfortable with what's being called and what's being ran, and I think that at the end of the day, even if you are calling the right plays, if Aaron's not comfortable with your team, that that team's not going to be as great as they possibly can. You need Aaron, hundred percent, one hundred percent, and uh, so right now I think that they've got that and they're they're playing good enough defense and they're running the ball well enough to they can be a serious threat down the stretch. Uh, coming at number four, I got the Hawks. I got the Seahawks um, sticking in that top five, getting their big-time win against the Niners. Like I said before the game, they control their destiny as far as the NFC West because they, you know, the Niners uh, didn't have any losses. We had two losses, but we played San Francisco twice, so we can give them two losses. And we gave them the, what we needed to. It was a close one. Yeah, no, it came down to the last second. One of the second. craziest games, just flip-flopping, you know, from being down 10 at the first quarter. Um, you know, and just, you know, coming back multiple times, field goals missed in overtime. All, all the all the elements to give you a heart attack watching a football game. But like I said, I think that the, uh, like I've said about the Seahawks um, for most of the season is I like the fact that they keep finding a way to win games. How many teams do we always talk about? It's like they just always find a way to lose. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's, oh, that's a common occurrence in sports where it's just like, man, this team's defense decent but they just always find a way to lose we just somehow always find a way to win and i think that that comes from great leadership on every level when it, you know whether it's schneider as the gm carol as and ken norton jr and sean heimer as coaches and play callers russell wilson and bobby wagner calling plays the huddle i think just the leadership and then you know the experience all of those people being together um makes us a dangerous team to run for the title yeah no i i mean they handed the lone undefeated team left their first loss yep. primetime game they made a statement and russell wilson he's got to be the front runner for mvp right now yeah no i think russ is definitely um definitely a finalist as is as of right now i don't think that you know outside of maybe lamar jackson you can make much of an argument to me. I think Lamar and Russ are the top two. They just keep finding a way to win the game, and it seems like so much of it, so much of the production is just coming from from one guy. Not to mention, I think, you know, if Josh Gordon comes in here and plays well for us, which this was Josh Gordon's, you know, uh, coming out party for the Seattle uh, Seahawks, we could have arguably the best three receiver setup. 
you know, in the league. With, with Lockett, with, Metcalf, and Gordon. With, with DK really being that guy coming out of college. You know, he was a rookie, so that was a big question mark. He's been impressive. But 10 games in the season, he's he seems legit. Um, and he's a big outside guy. Josh Gordon is a big outside guy. Led the league in receiving yards, what, six years ago. <laughs> um, he's still in his 20s. Um, and then and then Tyler Lockett go, being able to be an underneath guy or run these little out and ups and get on the sideline rather than being the the outside threat is just going to open up his game so much. And that Tyler Lockett connection is just as efficient as any connection in history. I mean, you look at the stats when it comes to Wilson throwing the ball to Lockett, it's unreal. Yeah, I mean, they've been able to connect on so many. Well, it's like a perfect passer rating too. I mean, it, it, they're just like unreal the production the yardage the the yards and attempt the yards per target the the touchdowns it's all um they're great and it it doesn't really feel like that's like an all-time great combo but it's it's shaping out to be uh be that way and then coming at number three this was tough to put these guys above the the hawks um but we did lose to them the ravens and i still feel like we have a better team as far as like in the playoffs the threat to beat you but Right now, the Ravens, what they have going for them is uh, no one's going to stop them until they can figure out what. how do you stop Lamar. The league doesn't know how to do that. He's right at his 16-game mark. So, like, the information is just now getting there to where you can really, like, make a game plan and try different things. It's a copycat league. And so it's like the second one of these teams in the next six games, I bet, figures out a way to stop him. And then that's when every team that plays the Ravens is going to, they're going to copycat that, that formula of success. And ultimately I don't think the Ravens are going to be like the best team in the NFL, but right now they are dangerous because no one knows how to stop Lamar Jackson. Yeah, no, I heard it. I heard something funny. It was like, how do you figure out how to stop Lamar? Well, you got to catch Lamar. Well, how the fuck do you catch Lamar? Okay, well, there's a lot, and there's a lot of things that go into this. Like I said, there hasn't been a ton of film on him. Yeah, and now there is. And then on top of that, practice. We all know how difficult it is to like find somebody on your practice team to simulate Lamar Jackson. And then on top of that, uh, uh, piggybacking on the practice thing, we all know how big player safety is, and how um, I don't know if you guys know this, but normally in the football world, Tuesday, Wednesdays are full contact days. Yeah. That's not the case anymore. No. And so these guys really aren't getting the same kind of reps tackling wise. And if you're not sharp with your tackling and you're coming up on someone Lamar, like Lamar Jackson, you're going to lose. Yeah. You're going to lose. Just so He's elusive. making the best tacklers in the world miss. And that's because they're not, there's no way for them to prepare for it. And so it's going to be schematically, there's going to be a way that they figure out how to stop him. I don't know how it is. I'm going to get to enjoy it until people figure it out. And I think that he will have a long, successful career. I'm not saying that they'll figure out how to stop him and he won't be shit. No, he'll be I able to adjust. Like right now, they're almost unbeatable. And until then, um, it's going to it's going to remain so. And then we'll we'll see what happens from there. Do you think the Patriots lost on purpose to them? No, but I think that. Uh, I think the Patriots losing the regular season is only better for the Patriots because it's just like they get, they need all the motivation they can get to get up for football games. Like, how hard would it be if you're Tom Brady to like give a fuck about a regular season game? But they do, and that's why they're great. But it's just like the longevity of like winning 
every single year winning the divisional crown like at a certain point aren't you numb to it like but you can't be as a professional athlete right so i think that them losing is almost almost helps them out well yeah i think by them losing they're going to be able to figure out how to stop lamar and then when they see them in the playoffs it'll just be a shellacking yeah exactly so bill belichick is for sure watching that ravens film more you're exactly right there he's watching that film more so than most because he knows like if they keep this up, the, the road goes through them just like the road goes through New England. Exactly. Um, coming in number two, Old Faithful, New Orleans Saints. I think they're just still still the uh, I think they're still the team to beat at the NFC seven and two. Did you see Michael Thomas is on pace to beat uh, Marvin Harrison's record of most, most catches, catches all time in a season? Yeah, and, I, and that's not surprising. I think that he's definitely set up for that. Well, he's like supposed to shatter it. He's on pace for like yeah. 153, and Harrison's record is like 146. No, I, Michael Michael Thomas is my keeper in our in our fantasy league. Yeah, so. I haven't been one league this year. Um, it's it's been nice being a Michael Thomas owner. But yeah, they they have the ultimate combo. Um, they've got the head coach, play caller, and Sean Payton. They got Drew Brees, and Drew Brees has got Kamara, Michael Thomas. You get you get you get mid mid level production from the defense. You you protect you have an offensive line that can give just breeze just just enough which is you don't have to give him as much as most right you know instead of three seconds he needs two or instead of you know four seconds he needs two and a half um, you're gonna win a lot a lot of football games so they're they're the team to be in the NFC for me and coming in at number one the Patriots position um, like we got to start calling it. We got the New England Patriots at number one, even though they came off the loss, or even though they did lose to the Ravens, I still got them as the uh, the team to beat. Yeah, they're still the best team in in all of football. I, I try to I try to find something new about these guys, but it gets it gets tough down. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's just everybody keeps that. But Nikhil Hendry is supposed to make his debut anytime now. Nikhil Hendry is kind of a weird story because he's a guy that's. For the most part, unknown wide receiver drafted in the first round by the New England Patriots. Only uh, wide receiver Belichick's ever taken in the first round. So that's kind of where kind of the light bulb. Belichick's yeah. got to know something. There's about a this red kid. flag, but he got injured before the season. So no one's seen him play. Oh, so we'll see. So if you want something new to add to the Patriots you haven't heard before, watch out for Nikhil Henry to sneak on the field okay all right you want to run it back real quick one through ten yeah one through ten we're gonna go patriots saints ravens seahawks packers then six through ten is vikings chiefs niners cowboys texans okay any surprises you see there jacob uh no definitely out number one i still like i would feel or still keep the patriots there like tyler said their loss doesn't really matter you know they lose every year you know in the season and to them that's just more confidence going into the postseason um, and same thing with the uh, with the Saints. I think uh, Bridgewater kept uh, the Ford down, you know, while Breeze was out, and and you know, fortunately, they're still afloat and they're still pretty good, even without Breeze. So I still feel like all those rankings are pretty solid. I, I like uh, I like Bridgewater to go to the team. I like Denver and Chicago to make a move for a quarterback. I think well, they desperately need one. I think too. Cam Newton's number one. I think Teddy's I think number Cam, two. I think Cam Newton might go to Chicago. So so what? Where I, I really like Bridgewater to Denver in the off season. 
That would be uh, something. I think that he earned it. Uh, they're going to pay him. It's been horrible to watch Flacco over there, too, so yeah, nice even, change of yeah, pace. John Elway is, is going to keep trying until he finds his guy. What if Breeze retires, though, and they, New Orleans just hands him the keys? I, th- I think that— But uh, how long do you wait out for that, though? Like, how many years does well, Breeze no, saying, actually what if, have? What if Breeze retires after this, off, after this season? Let's well, say, I mean, that would change things, but A, I don't think Breeze is going to retire after this season. Well, he was probably going to retire if they won the Super Bowl last year. He only came back this year because of what happened last year. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I just He's still just so sharp. It just doesn't make sense to me walking away from the game and to see people like Favre, Manning, Brady, you know, do it for so long. I think he keeps giving it another shot. And the other reason is I think that Sean Payton has – a ton of confidence in Taysom Hill. So I, I don't I don't think there's any way that Teddy Bridgewater is the same. Interesting. Even if even if Breeze walks away, I think Taysom Hill Sean Payton tells people that he trusts in the football world that this kid is Steve Young. Okay. We'll see. I'm I just think you I just think it would be the perfect scenario. He's already the highest paid backup for the Saints. Why not? He was able, like Jacob said, to hold the fort down while Breeze was out. Why not just give him the keys? I just, uh, I think that I think that Peyton really likes Taysom Hill, and I also just think that the odds are Breeze comes back for another one. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on with this Week Eleven preview. We got the picks of the week where we go through and pick every game. You got your picks set, Tyler. You got your picks, Jacob. Oh yeah, I came prepared. All right, let's perfect. Do it. I got one gut check game I can't pick. I haven't picked yet, but I'll pick it when we get there. Okay. I, actually, I do have one, too. I have an asterisk on it, too. I, we'll I don't see. know, I don't know I what's like, going to happen on I that game. I like have every match, and I highlight the winner. And uh, there's one game I don't have a highlighted team. All right. Well, it's I good. wonder. I wonder if it's the same one that me and Tyler have. Usually, it's, you, pro- it, it's we'll, probably we'll, we'll not. Get, yeah, we'll get to I, it. We'll get to it, but I, it might yeah, be. There's, yeah, a, there's yeah. a chance it could be. I'll let you know when we get there. All right. So let's start off on Thursday night. Big time rivalry matchup. Yeah, I like this. I'm excited for this game. Two underperforming teams on paper. Obviously, biggest, two of the biggest disappointments in the league. Although well, one of Pittsburgh them, one is kind of them gets, been Pittsburgh gets the pass. Yeah, Pittsburgh yeah. gets the pass because of Roethlisberger's injury. Yeah. But the Browns, they don't get a pass at all because they were. But also, I'm you know I'm going to give Browns a pass too. Outside of Baker, Baker asked for it, which is all good. But I think the Browns fan, like the media and the fans and everything, are what made the Browns. It wasn't necessarily the players themselves outside of Baker, maybe yeah. Odell. But I think the fans were the most obnoxious because it was so hyped. All right, so we got the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're coming in at five and four. They're back over five hundred. They got the win against the Rams at home with the Rams traveling to Pittsburgh. That was a bad. That was a bad one for the Rams. Bad one for the Rams, but we can we can just dismiss that and move on. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh they're going to Cleveland to take on the Browns coming in at three and six. The Browns are actually favored in this game by a field goal. Yeah. I got Pittsburgh winning this game just because I think Cleveland is just a train wreck. I don't think Freddie Kitchens is is the right answer at head coach. I didn't think the Browns could hire someone worse than Hugh Jackson. And ultimately, I think Pittsburgh is going to win the game. I like Cleveland at home. Um, I like uh, I like what Kareem Hunt's bringing to the table. I think that oh, is he back this week? He was back last week. He played. Uh, oh, shit. And I, like the, I think that he's given new life to the ball club. 
Um, I think that Baker's effort and and urgency has been there all season. I think Baker's trying, but he's almost he's probably trying too hard, yeah. or he's probably got too much in his head. I don't know what it is, but I know Baker's efforts there, like week in and week out. No, he's not throwing and the I games or anything that, like that. Well, and I also don't think he's like Johnny Manziel. Like I don't think that he's like. I don't think it's exterior stuff that's distracting from the game. I think he's buried in the books, buried in the film. He's not out. He's not out partying. I don't think he's out uh, doing a bunch of commercials and shit. I think he did all that in the off season. I think that he's focused. It's just it hasn't been going well. Um, and it could be Kitchen's fault. It could be Baker's fault. It could be a mix of everything. I mean, this is the NFL. It's not easy to win a bunch of games. Um, but I like. I like. Kareem Hunt giving them kind of a, a spark and some new momentum and almost a new reason kind of to chug forward. And Pittsburgh is just, uh, yeah, they're, they're struggling. Even though I like their team moving forward in the in the future, I think they got their team. It's like a year too early. They weren't or a year or two years too early. Like Mason Rudolph wasn't quite ready for this responsibility. Juju Smith wasn't necessarily – he might, may have needed one more year with Antonio Brown. James Washington maybe needed, you know, to come out his third, fourth year rather than a second-year player. Um, you know, the Jujus, the James Washingtons, the Mason Rudolphs, James Connors, these are young, like, young players, but they're they're good players, and I think their future's bright, but I, I like Cleveland at home. I'm going to have to be the tiebreaker on this one, but I'm going to have to go with the Steelers uh, just because yes. the – yeah, as, as much as Hunt can come in and be that spark, I just feel like – on paper, they've been bad, and just watching them on TV, and especially national televised games, has been so hard to watch them. Yeah. So I'm going to have to go with Pittsburgh. All right. So moving on, we got the full slate of games on Sunday. We got the number nine team in the TSK Show Power Rankings, the Dallas Cowboys, coming in at 5-4. and four. They're going to Detroit to take on the Lions at 3-5-1. and one. Dallas is favored on the road, minus three. I got the Cowboys coming in and winning the game. We obviously don't know what's up with Matt Stafford. He missed his first start in a long time. I can't remember how exactly how yeah. many games. I, I think it might it, it might have been just like his second. Like he hasn't missed very many games outside of the one season where he got hurt. Yeah, so we like don't maybe really a second regular season game miss, excluding one one like year that he missed. Yeah, so I don't really know what's going on with that. Um, I got, I, it's not looking good. No, uh, I don't think they're pushing him back either, which is weird because they've had a you know competitive season, but now they're just kind of, you know, that division just so doing so well. Yeah, I got I got the Cowboys winning this game pretty easily. Yeah, I like Dallas winning this game against Stafford. This Lions, I want to use my time to push Matt Stafford to get traded for a Matt Ryan. I really, I don't know why I've come come about this, but I really want. I really want Atlanta and and Detroit to get on the phone. Just flip say, flop. Listen, these guys are both franchise quarterbacks. They're same age, and uh, we are banging our heads against the wall trying to win with these guys. Let's let's switch it up. We don't lose any, like we don't lose our franchise guy. We gain a different one. We don't lose any money. We don't lose age. We don't like. I I can't think of just a better just straight up swap. You know, say like Falcons need some fresh blood. Picture Matt Stafford's arm with Julio Jones, and then you know Detroit needs new blood. Patricia needs his guy, and Matt Ryan could you know is a guy that's been to the Super Bowl could possibly do that. Hey, you sold me. Let's make it happen, someone please. <laughs> 
Who you got in this game, Jacob? Looks like we have Dallas all around. I'm going with Cowboys on this one. All right. Moving on, we got the Jacksonville Jaguars in an AFC South matchup against the Indianapolis Colts in Indianapolis. Jaguars four and five. Colts the opposite, five and four. Indy is favored minus three. I got the Colts winning at home, even with um, Brian Hoyer at quarterback. I, I think st- Jacoby's supposed to be back this week. Okay, so well, even but better. It, but but it's questionable. I mean, it's not. I don't think it's a it's a for sure thing. But. If if Jacoby's back, great. If not, I still think the Colts can get it done. The Jaguars did not look good with Nick Foles at quarterback. I think I think it was honestly a mistake to take Gardner Minshew out uh, at the start of the bye week or coming back from the bye week last week and putting Foles in there just because I think Gardner had been on a roll this entire season yeah. with Foles out. So I think that kind of just threw everything off a bit. Yeah, and they're and they're completely alive in that division at four. You know, at four and five, uh, Houston six and three. And, yeah, you know, at the top. So it's like you win this game against a divisional opponent. All of a sudden, you're tied with the Colts. And then you're only looking at Houston in front. So Jacksonville's season has actually gone better than like what a four and five record looks like, especially when you talk about the quarterback scenario. But uh, I agree. I agree with Gardner just because of where they were in the season. Like they did have a shot and yeah. it's still pushing for wins. So I think you got to go with the guy that gave you that opportunity. Um, but they did pay Nick Foles to come in and be that, that yeah, guy. Yeah, he is supposed so, to be that guy. Um I think that it's you know it's kind of like a safer play to put Nick Foles out there, um, just for your your money purposes. But I also like Indy Indianapolis to win. Brian Hoyer or Brissett. Yeah, who you got? Uh, I'm going with the Colts. They've had a solid season this year, and like you said, didn't really work out for the uh, for the Jags, especially with Foles back. So I'm gonna have to go with the uh, Indianapolis. All right, moving on. We got another matchup with the buffalo bills and the miami dolphins oh god the dolphins yeah you got two wins now yeah two two game win streak yeah it just flip-flops like that so the buffalo bills at six and three they're going down to miami to take on the two and seven dolphins buffalo is favored minus six i got the bills winning the game just because of how Miami's season has gone yeah they're on a two-game win streak but we all know who the dolphins are this year and they're not good I got uh, this is my gut check game. Oh, it is. Yeah, this is my gut check. Oh, then game. it's not the same. And yeah. I'm going with Fitzmagic getting the win at home. Okay. I'm, I like, I like Miami getting three wins in a row at home, giving the league the middle finger. Just <laughs> and that'll like, be their last just, win of the season. Just like yeah. Oakland did. Uh, you know, keeps winning games. No one expects them to win. I'm not a believer in Buffalo. Uh, it's tough to go down and play Miami. In that weather, when you're coming from Buffalo, uh, I think uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be Miami coming out on top. All right, we'll see. Moving on, we got the the Denver Broncos taking on the Minnesota Vikings. The Broncos at three and six. The Vikings, the number six team in the TSK Show Power Rankings, they are seven and three. The line for this is Minnesota minus ten and a half. Yeah, that sounds about right. Who you got? I like Minnesota big. Yeah, uh, Denver. Denver's team's set to pop, though. They got to keep those edge guys healthy, and they they need to you know get some stability at quarterback. But Denver's decent. The the injuries to uh, was it Bradley Chubb? 
Bradley Chubb. And Bradley Chubb's injury. I think Vaughn Miller's hurt too. And Flacco's struggles are kind of why their season's gone to the wayside. But Minnesota, they're looking as strong as ever. They're going to get another dub, eight, be eight and three. Yeah. Yeah. Broncos are tough to watch. So I'm going to have to go with the Vikings. And for Broncos, for me, it just starts off at the quarterback position. Like Flacco this year, I just can't watch him play anymore. Yeah. I wouldn't want to play fucking quarterback with John Elway <laughs> walking around on the sidelines either. Tough shoes to fill. Tough shoes. They got to, yeah, they got to really go after. I like Bridgewater and I like Cam Newton there, though. I think Cam Newton is the fix. Like, if they get a shot at him, they got to go with him. And I don't understand why Cam would pick Chicago over Denver. I'm picking Denver. You want to win late games with a field goal, Denver's the best place to be. You want to have a home field advantage, Denver's one of the best home field advantages in the game. You want great, like, defense. I think that Denver's defense is just as solid on paper as Chicago's. Yeah. So, um, and I think Cam can take the John Elway or, you know, Cam is probably the most confident person in the NFL. Oh, if not, definitely up there. No, I mean, I think he might, I think he, I think I could say he's number one and feel comfortable about that. Yeah. I mean, there's no one that's going to top him, maybe be as much as him, but, uh, but that's a different story. I mean, Minnesota's going to come in and win this game. Yeah. All right, the next matchup, we got the number two team in the TSK Show Power Rankings. The New Orleans Saints coming in at 7-2, and two, taking on a divisional opponent. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 3-6. and six. The line for this is New Orleans minus 5.5. I think New Orleans comes in and wins this game big. Yeah, I, I don't like the Bucs. It's insane how productive, like, statistically they are. Uh, but as outside of Jameis, I mean, Jameis turns the ball over. Um, not a big fan of Jameis. I hope that this is, you know, I mean, I'd like to think that this is his last year starting, but he'll probably get another shot. Someone's going to um, give him a shot. I would like, Tampa Bay is actually the place where I would like to see Gardner. And, uh, but I think Gardner could, you know, stay in Florida, be kind of that, that pirate guy, live that pirate life. Somewhere. <laughs> is that and, the pirate mustache? Yeah, yeah for sure. Oh, yeah. And he played for the pirate in Pullman. Um, and that's just like you know Bruce Arians. I would like. I think I just think it'd be a good fit. But I like New Orleans to come in and take care of the divisional opponent handily. Yeah, you got the Saints as well too, Jacob. Saints as well. Yeah, unfortunately the uh, the Bucks have just been inconsistent this year. So at times they've looked good, and then other times complete train wreck. Yeah, I feel I like mean, they played great against Seattle. I took them to overtime, high scoring game. Yeah, yeah, everything. Yeah, I feel like that's been the story though with the Buccaneers over the past probably since James has been there is just the inconsistencies. Yeah. Turn I mean, turn the ball over. He's a, he's a, he's got, he's got some great like sideline leadership. I don't think he's a leader because I think he's, and now I'm judging a man's personality, but I think he's a shallow person in general, just <laughs> from things that I've heard about him from trustworthy sources. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a fan of his, but he does have some talent. He's a big, massive human being. He's, and he, you know, he can really throw the ball, but I just think when times get tough, he's not the guy you want to lean on. He's not the guy that you can count on. And, uh, you know, just throwing the ball deep is not going to win you football games. You need a defense, you need a run game, uh, and they don't have it. Yeah. All right. The next matchup we got, uh, geez. Oh, I just looked at it and yeah, yeah. I just wanted to skip over it as the, well. The toilet bowl. We got the New York Jets going to the Washington Redskins. Jets two and seven, Redskins one and eight. Washington is actually favored 
minus one and a half. Washington announced they're going to stick with Dwayne Haskins Jr. the rest of the season, yeah, which I mean, I mean as well at this point. It's the only, yeah, it's really the only move they can make. They do have uh, Darius Geis coming back this week and Chris Thompson, so it'll be interesting to see what that running game looks like. I got the Redskins winning the game at home, getting their second victory of the year. I don't have that much confidence in Sam Darnold. I don't have that much confidence in the Jets, and it's it's really just as simple as that. Uh, I don't like teams with interim head coaches. I just don't think it's it, – it's, it's like there's no leadership right now in Washington, D.C. You know, they got an interim head coach. they got a rookie quarterback. It's like where's the backbone of that that team? Who's who is the franchise of the of the the Redskins? And so uh, I just like for them to be an easy win all year. And I'm going to take the Jets purely because I think Sam Darnold and Le'Veon Bell are a better situation than anything DC's got going on. Uh, and they don't, you know, Adam Gase is like he's a weird phone for me because I like Adam Gase and he's got a horrible rep as of right now. Definitely on the hot seat. Had that crazy, he, you know, he got high before his. His media day when he first um, what? Well, you you've seen the clip of his like crazy eyes, you know no. when he first got hired for the Jets, Adam Gase. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. When Adam and and he's and he's like, oh, I haven't seen that. Oh, dude. Uh, well, you gotta walk. <laughs> we gotta pull that. But <laughs> uh, he got high for sure. Like I I don't care what he says. Like anyone says this dude's high. It's a pregame routine. But I really li- I thought he like got a lot out of like bad situations. And he's a guy that. Oh my God. I'm ca- looking at it right his now. His career story is like he coaches quarterbacks to get hurt. Tannehill got hurt every single year that he was in Miami. Da- uh, you know, Darnold missed a month due to an illness. It's just like he never gets a. He's never had a quarterback start 16 games for him. So I think he's getting the. You know, he's ultimately going to get fired probably coaching this Jets team. But I like I- them to get the win this week against the Redskins. <laughs> I actually have the Jets too. But not and winning this game, but not by much either. Probably right. by a field goal. Yeah, we'll see. Field goal will do it. Yep. No cover. One no, point. A will win's do a it. win. Yeah. Well, one point won't do it. Yeah. The spread was one point, right? One and a half. Yeah, one and a half. All right. The next matchup we got in an NFC South matchup, we got the two and seven Falcons going to Carolina to take on the Panthers at five and four. Carolina is favored minus five and a half. Obviously, we know they're not going to be going with cam newton anymore they've stuck with their backup got him a win last week let's yeah. see if he can get him another win this I- is destination number two for Gardner Minshew. since we're going to keep it on the topic i like Gardner Minshew <laughs> to the panthers he's just tied into the conversation I, i'm sorry but <laughs> no he's got, always going to pull yeah. for his washington guys come got, on now i got well and hear me hear me out on this one this is carolina right we got obviously kyle Owens playing all right but that's not the answer um his call. I mean, he played at East Carolina. That was his. That yeah. was his college. He played for for three years before his one year at Wazoo. So, uh, he's got ties down there in the South. And like I said, he's just a dominant personality. And to and to have him and McCaffrey in a in a shotgun formation, I think is like one of the most dynamic uh, duos you could put together. But um, getting back to the actual football game, uh, Falcons <laughs> traveling to Carolina. Um, I think the Carolina Panthers are in a weird place right now. This I, is, it's almost like they're like, yo, Christian, quit being so fucking productive. Like, we're trying to lose games at this point. Yeah. Like, I don't think that we're, 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 the Saints are so far ahead of us. 
NFC West and NFC North are three teams deep in playoff runs. Like, we're not making that. You know, I just, like, are they pushing for the playoffs off of McCaffrey's production alone? Because they can't feel like they're a threat with Kyle Allen starting at quarterback to win playoff games. Or do they pull back and try not, you know, get a better draft position? But it's like Christian McCaffrey has legitimately won them five football Oh, he's had a hell of a season from the beginning, too. And so I think that Dan Quinn's coaching for his job. Oh, we've been saying that for weeks. Uh, yeah, and so I like I like the Falcons to go to Carolina and get the dub, just because I think that I think Julio and Matt Ryan and Dan Quinn, you're going to still get effort from these guys. Um, it's just it, it's been it's been a rough ride for these guys ever since that Super Bowl loss. Yeah, I think I think this is obviously a game that Atlanta has a very good chance of winning because of like you said Carolina's situation and what they want to do. Yeah, it's just but. Like, Christian McCaffrey's won them five games. I think he's about to win them their sixth because I don't think Atlanta has anybody that can stop him. And he's oh, yeah, just gonna get, winning at home. He's going to get no MVP nods because he's going to be it on it. It is so unfortunate. He's be eight, eight, eight and eight, seven and nine football team. Um, he's just got to, they just got to figure out if they're playing for this year or next year. Yeah. All right. The next matchup we got, the only top 10 matchup between teams in the TSK show power rankings. We got the number 10 team, the Houston Texans, coming in at 6-3, and three, going to Baltimore to take on the number 3 Baltimore Ravens, coming in at 7-2. and two. The line for this is Baltimore minus 4. See, this is the game that I had marked. This was, the to- yeah. this was your toss-up? Mm-hmm. Okay. This is a good, is a yeah. good gut-check game. Um, this, is, this is like two narratives, I think. There's two things that come out of this game. One, Baltimore wins, and Houston was just another like stop in the Lamar train this season. Which I'm actually going with. I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I think Baltimore is going to end up winning at home. Or what's what else is going to happen? This is going to be a fucking classic, and Houston's going to win. And if this game goes down to a Houston victory, it's going to be a classic, like reg- monumental, like regular season win for a good Houston team. They'll go to seven and three. Deshaun Watson will have gone into Baltimore and taken down Lamar Jackson, continuing like I'm the MVP. Um, like he did with uh, Mahomes too this yeah. this year, and I and I you know I also think that they got the shot of being a uh, wow I just touched my screen to try and turn off the screensaver. <laughs> shows you you don't got a touch screen. Yeah, uh, shows you how the times have changed. Uh, but it's like I think that you know they also have a shot of being the team that figures you know figures Lamar out every week. Someone's gonna get a shot of figuring this thing out and completely shut him down, and so. Um, I would love for this to be kind of like one of those great regular season matchups between two teams that are on fire, which I think both of them are. Both quarterbacks are MVP candidates. Um, but ultimately, I think Baltimore is going to win this one. Yeah, I think I got I got the Baltimore Ravens winning this game. Like you said, I think this is just going to be another stop on the Lamar train. I think Houston's defense isn't going to have an answer for Lamar Jackson, especially with J.J. Watt being out for the rest of the season. They don't have Jadavion Clowney anymore, like we mentioned. And then also on the flip side, Baltimore's defense, I think this game is going to be a shootout. I think Deshaun Watson is yeah, going to have a bunch of yards, but that's, that's, Earl Thomas and Marcus Peters in the in the secondary, that's scary to look at. It uh, looks good, too. Marcus Peters had another mm-hmm. pick six this past weekend. So no, that's the, just, the Ravens is low-key kind of came up on a corner from other teams trying to d- dump players. Yeah crazy um but i also think it's going to be a shootout and that's kind of why i thought it could be a classic you know deshaun versus deshaun versus lamar jackson that just like is such a dynamic big time prime time matchup for sure 
Who you got in this one? So this one was my toss-up, but ultimately I chose the Ravens winning this one. Okay. All right. So the next matchup we got NFC matchup. We got the Arizona Cardinals coming in at three, six, and one. They're going to San Francisco to play on the four to take on the 49ers coming in at eight and one. The line for this is San Francisco minus eleven and a half. Like we said, George Kittle's already been ruled out, but still I don't think that's gonna have any effect on this game. Yep. I got San Francisco winning pretty handily. I think they're just that defense is gonna be able to eat up a rookie quarterback in Kyler Murray, I think. Yeah, I like San Francisco to win too. Um I kinda laid out their season. I think they got a tough stretch, their back seven games and I believe they're gonna go two and five and this is gonna be one of their two two wins for the rest of the year. Uh, it's going to be a bounce back game off of a tough loss to Seattle to play, you know, a rookie quarterback um, and get the dub against Arizona. Arizona's had a good year, though. I think that they've, like, done exactly what you'd want to do where they won football games but not too many football games. Yeah. Who you got, Jacob? Yeah, I'm going uh, with uh, the Niners. You know, that, that loss didn't really affect them, obviously, too much. It was a pretty big game, but still they have uh, the edge definitely in this game. All right. Next matchup we got, we got the 0-9 Cincinnati Bengals going to Oakland to take on the Raiders. Raiders coming in at 5-4. and four. Got the big Thursday night football win up in Oakland over the division rival Chargers. John Gruden was going crazy after the game, hugging fans. Everything yeah. was all good. He's obviously, I think, in the running for coach of the year. The only thing I've written for this matchup is John Gruden is coach of the year, no doubt. It's <laughs> the only thing I've written. For okay. Well, I like Oakland. I like Oakland at home, and I think John Gruden's coach of the year, no doubt. The, what he squeezed out of that team, um, he's doing what Pete Carroll did. I, I see it now. I think that they're going to be a good team. He, it sucks that they're in the the moving part is what's kind of the weird dynamic, but turning over all these players like the first year Pete Carroll and John Snyder were in Seattle they they had the record amount of transactions in one year like 274 transactions of player movement cutting players adding players moving players up moving players down um that's what John Gruden's he he kicked out it's like if you're not with it you're out uh Cleo Mack Amari Cooper and uh yeah Cleo Mack Amari Cooper Bruce Irving Marshawn Lynch um, lost all those guys in twelve in a, in a calendar year. Yeah, uh, obviously moving towards the future. I don't know how he's getting wins out of these guys. It's unreal. Everybody thought that that was probably the worst roster when it, before the season started. Um, now they're they're a winning football team. I've uh, just been super super impressed with Gruden because I think that I had every reason to doubt like him coming back off of a hiatus. And it being kind of a clown show after last year. Last year, I thought they were going to be competitive in his first year, and he just dumped the whole team for picks. And now it's like, fuck, they've got draft picks, they've got young players, and they've got a great coach. They're they're the Raiders are going to be all right. And they're you can set tell up so much better than the like the Browns, you know, if we're like gonna or the Dolphins or the Bengals, like they're set up so much better than these teams. Yeah, and you can tell all of those players are bought into what John Gruden is selling them. Which which is all you need. That's what that's like Yeah, no doubt. Richard Sherman wasn't wasn't shit. You know what I mean? Like uh KJ Wright wasn't shit. Like all these players the Seahawks won championships with, they got guys late in rounds, late in drafts. Uh, their guys that were committed to their system not didn't have this pre like 
this I mentality before coming in. You know, there's like a few guys where it work, like Earl, the Earl Thomases of the world, right. where he was a primetime player in college, first-round draft pick, primetime player. But it's like the Oakland Raiders, I think, are doing it the right way, and they're building with their guys. They're not household names. They're Raiders, and you're, they're, they're going to be known by coming up with the Raiders. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I got the Raiders winning this game. They're favored minus 10 and a half. The Bengals are obviously a joke. They're winless. It's it's pretty cut and dry. The Raiders, I think, getting that big win against the Chargers on Thursday night football, yeah. it's only going to propel them even more. That was, well, you said it, right? The last primetime game in Oakland. Did you know that? Did you say that? But was it the last that primetime was a lot, that, That's why John Gruden was like, was was going going ham after the game i think was because that was the last time oakland was gonna host a night game like a night game oh okay got it well i mean listen they they did the damn thing on thursday night no i've been a big fan of this raiders team i think it's awesome like josh jacobs i think was a big component of why they're winning games he's, he's been huge in the run game been for them time for them and i love that he's rolled with Derek too I'm, I'm a big fan of that because I like Derek Carr. I think that there was every advantage, there was every opportunity to kind of just like cut him out and just be like, we're moving on from Derek and he's rolling with them. And I just think that there's something to be said when you stick with the game plan over the long haul, it becomes, you're not thinking you're playing and you get the best out of people. Yeah. Who you got in this one, Jacob? I think we can all agree that uh, Oakland, Three ways. All right. I just had no, to make sure. No, no, no. No Bengals here. Just had to make sure. Cincinnati, I think, you know, their last four games, they play their three, you know, Baltimore, Cleveland, Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh and Cleveland are where they're going to get their one game. Cause one it's of a, those games. you know, divisional games are tight no matter what. Yeah. I get that those are better football teams than the Bengals. But I just, I still just never bet on some someone to go undefeated or no wins in an NFL team. Yeah, you'll at least get one. They're just in too, a they're too good. It's still a professional football team. Like I'll ne- just kind of like college basketball. I'll right. never bet on. It's somebody. so hard. Like, to I don't go care undefeated. how good they are. Yeah. it's thirty-two and zero is just too hard to stay remain perfect that long. Um, I like Cincinnati to get a, a win in those back four games. Yeah. All right, moving on. The next matchup, we got the number one overall team in the TSK Show Power Rankings, the New England Patriots at 8-1. and one. They're going to Philly to take on the Eagles, coming in at 5-4. and four. New England is favored minus 3.5. I got the Patriots coming in and taking care of business. I think, I don't know, man. It's, it's pretty self-explanatory. The Patriots, they just know how to get it done. They know when they need to get a win. It's pretty, it's pretty self-explanatory. The Patriots are playing somebody. Yeah, they're just gonna and win. So it's, they're gonna win the game. Just chalk it. it up as the uh, the W already. Yeah, I and I hate I yeah. hate that. That's the world we live in. Uh, well, that's yeah, that's it is it is, and it's been two <laughs> decades of it. Yeah, uh, that's been my entire life. Patriots, uh, like the Patriots going into Philly and winning the game. Philly, Philly's not gonna be dangerous till December. Yeah, that's just how they do it. They're gonna wait till they're six and six. And then they'll turn it on. Yeah, that that switch will just flip. Patriots all around, Jacob. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. All no right. doubt. Sunday night football, big time matchup. Huge game. Yeah, we got the Bears coming here to Los Angeles. They're coming in at four and five. They're gonna take on the Rams coming in at five and four. Rams coming off the loss in Pittsburgh. 
I said they did what they had to do going five and three to go into the bye week, and I thought they were going to be able to make some adjustments, get a what I thought would be an easy win in Pittsburgh, but Pittsburgh put up a fight, and they were able to get get I the do job done. I picked Pittsburgh to win that game. I know you did. I know you did. <laughs> but at the end of the day, the Rams just didn't execute. Jared Goff's been exposed, man. It, he's it's, been awful this it's year. Not, it's not Sean McVay. I, wa- I watched their game. Which they're blaming it, it, McVay. A well, lot of people are that, blaming that's McVay. That's what they do. And yeah. I've, I'm, I, it takes a lot for me to blame a coach because I typically think coaches are not the issue. Um, it's the same three wide receiver set 95% of the time. Plays aren't any different. For the most part, the players aren't any different. Um, the defense, if anything, is better, I think, that we've gone over. Uh, I just think that, like, kind of, you know, just like Dak, are they're bubble superstars. Are we a superstar? Or are we not? You know, like, where, where are we going? Are we going to be with, are we going to be with the elite guys, or are we going to be kind of in that that middle pack of of quarterbacks? You know, is he going to be the thing that's holding them back? Kind of look. This is a huge game. I've kind of tried to like build it up because of the where these two teams I think are in the exact same situation. Uh, Minnesota, Green Bay, sitting in front of Chicago. Uh, if they win, they're at 500, still in the pack. L.A. Rams, they got Seattle and San Francisco sitting in front of them. If they lose, they're at 5-5, five and five, still in the playoffs. So um, this game, I think, is just is huge. for Both teams need this victory to stay alive in the playoff hunt. Yeah, and I, th- I think the bright lights, the primetime Sunday night football game, I think that's going to work to the Rams' advantage because of that experience they got last year and going to the Super Bowl, they know that they have to come in and get this game and win this game to keep their playoff hopes alive. I think the subtraction of Brandon Cooks not being out there has definitely hurt the Rams. So yeah, it's, they, they need those guys. The And exactly. The, the other wide receivers need to step up this C- weekend. C- the Cup hurt them in the run last year, being out. Cooks is hurt. They need the... They run the three wide receiver set like ninety seven percent of the time. It's not. Yeah, no, uh, they do it a lot. I know that it's it's in the high nineties. Um, they have to have all those guys, but I, I think that they're going to win this game because I think that Chicago uh, was more of a one hit wonder last year, just because their defense, you know, just got off to such a hot start. They ran with that momentum, and uh, Mitch Trubisky, I just you know he's not taking the step. Uh, if anything, he's gone backwards. So, um, yeah, I like, I like the Rams to get the win at home on Sunday night. Yeah, I got the Rams as well. Jacob, who you got? As Well, I'm going to have to disagree with both of you guys. Oh. But as as bad as the Bears' offense is, I still feel like their defense is uh, overwhelming for the Rams. And if the Bears win, yeah. then both teams will be sitting at 5-5. Five and five. Well, and here's the thing. That Bears' defense really does concern me because of the Rams' offensive line struggles yeah. this season and being able to protect golf and if you can't protect golf whether he's making it making throws or not if you're Just not going to be able to protect him he, he takes can't. one hit from mac that game yeah we had years like this with the falcons a couple years ago um when they were coming off a big time year not the super bowl year but even before this and it, what it shows you is like you can have all these sexy names on the outside but if you don't control the line of scrimmage you're not you're not going to you're not going to win football games. It's just it's too hard. It, it disrupts too much um, when the when the line of scrimmage is messy, and it doesn't matter how good you are. Yeah, and I think I think at the end of the day, 
the crutch of the Rams' problems this year has been those offensive line struggles. Ben, ben Roethlisberger, Eli Manning, Tom Brady, uh, those guys have had great offensive lines. Hey, Luck and Peyton with the Colts, those guys have had top-tier offensive lines. Uh, that's why their their longevity was so good. Uh, you know, it's it's you've I've seen struggles with Rodgers. Had I think it was last year where that line was just completely obliterated. You lose more than one lineman. And I think the NFL teams can recover from one one injury. But if you start having multiple injuries up front, you're just doomed. Yeah, the Rams have had at least three this year. No, I know. And that's just a, it's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, but no. I, I like them to get the win. All right. We got the double L.A. primetime game. Monday night football. We got the number seven team in the TSK show power rankings. The Kansas City Chiefs coming in at six and four. They're coming here to L.A. To take on the Chargers coming in at four and six. Kansas City is favored in this game minus three and a half. I think Kansas City comes in and wins this game. I think they're the better football team. I think, yeah, the Chargers have been trending upward, but I think losing to Oakland when they should have won that game. Yeah, but have they though? They, I don't, in my opinion, they have not been trending upward. They took one step forward and then a couple steps back. Right. They're start, they were starting to get healthy. Losing to the Raiders, Melvin Gore, Melvin Ingram was a bit was been a big loss. Yeah, I think he's only played two games this year. Yeah, Der, Der, Derwin yeah. James still hasn't played a game. They've had a ton of injuries up front. Russell Coon's been hurt. Yep. Uh, the Chargers are a good football team, but they've been banged up, and and I don't think the year's gone. It, it's been a frustrating year, I think to say the least for those guys. Yeah, and taking on Rivers is competitor. On Monday yeah, no, football. he's not going to give up. Monday Night Football. That's. That's not who I'm trying to play, but Kansas City is going to win. This is a great. This is just another classic matchup. Uh, uh, Kansas City Charger against the Chargers. That's uh, always been good games. Yeah, I got Kansas City winning this game too. I like Mahomes to get back in it though. Mahomes is going to remind us all. It's been nice. It's kind of. It's almost been kind of nice that Mahomes has had a back to reality uh, month because everybody kind of like got a break from hearing about how great he is. Now it's going to. We'll be right back in the mix, and we'll be talking about how he's. I mean, he's still he's through Superman. for four hundred. Yeah, four hundred plus. Yeah, in his in his first game back. Yeah, and that doesn't mean anything because it's no, Patrick no, no, Mahomes. Yeah. That's yeah. where we're at. Exactly. So it's going to be nice to like Monday Night Football against Philip Rivers. You can just go out there and remind everybody he's still Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, but I got the Chiefs. You got the Chiefs, Tyler. You got Chiefs, the Chiefs. all the way. Yeah. Okay. All right, and then the bye weeks this week, we got the four and five teams in the TSK Show Power Rankings, the Packers and the Seahawks at eight and two, and then the Tennessee Titans at five and five, and the New York Giants at two and eight. So, all right, that uh, that wraps up the NFL Week 11 preview portion of this episode. But let's transition now to the hardwood, talk about some NBA basketball, some hoops talk. Yep, we're getting getting in the mix now. Yeah, we're we're almost a month in. We got a our starting five topics to I'll talk be ready about. To start ranking people in about ten games. Okay, all right. Yeah, no, we're. I think we should definitely do another series of the the top at each position. Yeah, we're start. It's starting to form. You know, we're starting to see who people are, what rotations are looking like. You know, who's playing what role for what teams. Um, been a great season so far though uh so many of my guys have been killing well. it. it's been great yeah but i think the cherry on top for me so far this season 
has been the Lakers getting back to where they belong, and that's atop the Western Conference after the first few weeks of the NBA season. They're eight and two. They had a seven-game win streak after losing the opener to the Clippers, which I knew. I knew it. I knew that after that first loss. Oh, you knew they were gonna. I knew. I knew after that first loss, it wasn't big of a deal. No, people no, were making no. it out. No. And, and if anything, going back is almost better. Yeah, it's better for them to take that loss. And he already. They already had a sense of urgency. Like we cannot fuck up this year, and that you know almost reassured even more so. And now they're just like. They're just humming on all cylinders. Yeah, eight, lo- they are. Lo- this is they are locked in midseason right now. Yeah, and they're only ten games in. Uh, they that seven game win streak ended with a loss over the weekend to the Toronto Raptors. But I want to take it back real quick because two weeks ago when we recorded our last episode, mm-hmm. Tyler, in the midst of recording, Anthony Davis was in the midst of a historic game for the Lakers against the Memphis Grizzlies. The, be- four, the 40-20 game? Yeah, so he became the first Lakers player to score 40 points and grab 20 rebounds since Shaq did it in 2003. It was also the quickest 40-20 game in NBA history. He did it in 31 minutes and didn't even play the entire fourth quarter. And he's the sixth Lakers player in Lakers history to have a 40-20 game. George Mike and Will Chamberlain, Elgin Baylor, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Shaquille O'Neal, and now Anthony Davis. It's a pretty good bunch list. Of bombs. <laughs> it's a pretty good list to be on. Well, everybody besides AD is all hanging up in the rafters. Yeah, I mean, he's a top five player in the world. No, no surprises here. Uh, AD is a perfect get for the Lakers because he hasn't proven shit. All he's done is like individual accolades. Never played 82 games. Never made a playoff run. Never won a championship. Um, he's got all team aspirations. It's like he doesn't care about leading the league in scoring. He doesn't care about being MVP. He wants no, because be... he he did that in New Orleans. Yeah, he doesn't, he's shown that he, he can care be, about that now. He can carry you know individual load. Uh, now he wants to win, and then LeBron's coming off of the biggest disappointment, like the probably like one of the biggest you know not making the playoff appearances ever. It was LeBron going to the Lakers. And so he's got his urgency, and everyone's playing for their jobs out there. Yeah, and so after after that historic performance by Anthony Davis, they got two of the top five players. Like, yeah, it's it's just, it's, it's yeah. You crazy. should be in this position it's, if you have it's both crazy. of those guys. That, this is like this is this is Braun and D Way. This is Pippen. This is Pippen and Jordan. This is every Kobe and Shaq. Come on now. This is KD and Steph. This is Kobe and Shaq. This is every every dynamic, dominant duo. They're just as talented as any of those guys. Yeah, but the Lakers as a team, they have been tested early. They hit a three. They hit the road for a three game road trip that they were definitely tested on in the Texas two step in Dallas and in San Antonio. Oh, that was a good game. Yeah. In, I, in I just Dallas. think only the Lakers can beat the Lakers. For sure. Yeah, you know, this whole test it, you know, I think they're tested every night against themselves. Like they gotta just they've got so much pressure and so much on them right now. Um as far as like basketball history is watching them right now. Yeah. So it, in that great game against the Mavericks Uh, LeBron James and Luka Doncic became the first opposing players to each have 15 assist triple doubles in the same game. LeBron had 39, 12, and 16 in that game against the Mavs. Danny Green hit that clutch buzzer beater to send the game to overtime. And then AD and Braun took over in the fourth quarter in overtime. 
And also, f- 10 games in, I got to shout out Dwight Howard, who has continued to play an important role in the Lakers' success. Completely redeemed himself yeah. from years ago. Yeah. At ten, it's t- taken him 10 games to completely flip the entire Lakers fan base on how they feel about him which he knew his role coming in so and he accepted it too which was the which is the good part because the last thing this team needed was egos and coming off the bench and just grabbing you know cleaning up the glass stuff like that picking up the fouls that nobody wants to pick up that's what this team needs yeah he had 14 and 13 and two blocks off the bench in San Antonio on that road trip in that game against San Antonio LeBron had his second triple double in a row 21 11 and 13 but as a team in that san antonio game they shot 25 percent from three only 68 percent from the free throw line and had 18 turnovers but what i was really encouraged by was they were still able to to beat a competitive san antonio spurs team that was led by Dejounte murray demar Derozan, lamarcus aldridge obviously greg popovich the greatest coach in the nba right now active wise um I've been really encouraged to see how the Lakers have responded to adversity. And then in that third game of that road trip, they were down big to Chicago early. And then in the second half, which is surprising to Chicago. Exactly. Now I know it was the third game in five or six days or whatever that was and on the road and all of that. But I've just been really encouraged to see how they respond as a team to adversity yeah they're getting everybody's best you know? yeah so you know teams like chicago are going to come out and try to beat you um dwight's doing what i thought he would i think that dwight is like it was a win-win for, you know like we laid it out before it's just he needed basketball to escape you know drama outside of the court to make an- another you know second shot at his career to get another contract he probably wouldn't have got another contract if this didn't go well no and the lakers needed a backup center they needed someone to fill demarcus's minutes and so it was a relationship where both parties were getting what they wanted um i knew that he wasn't going to try and like be the man i knew that he would try to take a lesser role uh it's the exact same thing i think Carmelo would be doing if you were if you were to get a shot right now I think that Carmelo is in the same headspace Dwight is right now where I think that all this I don't want to be I want to be a starter but I think that it's gone um and so it's awesome to see that Dwight's actually like producing and it didn't go and it didn't go bad and then you know on top of that I just think that this shows like when LeBron's healthy what he does for a team I just don't think he was healthy last year yeah they didn't get to put him out on the court with players I don't think this team is necessarily that much more talented outside of obviously AD is like a huge, huge, huge get. But um, Avery Bradley, you know, this this team was assembled great, and I love the way they're playing. Avery Bradley, Danny Green, KCP, uh, you know, Dwight, Alex Caruso, JaVale, all these guys are playing great. And I think it's because of people like Braun and AD. Yeah, and then last I love, night. I love their starting five. That Like having two off guards start with Braun yeah uh, it's smart it's like you're not you're kind of ducking like i'm not starting at my point guard i have avery bradley out there but avery bradley's not the point guard and then you also start the twin towers and javale mcgee and anthony davis and you yeah. you kind of take it back to a more traditional basketball yeah. that we saw before the, 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 the hybrid offense yeah. yeah and i think that and then i think the last six minutes of the game ad's playing center and kuzma and lebron are out there at forward and you can really put whoever you want you know in the game if they want to run three, if they want to run three guard sets, LeBron plays the four, 
and Ant plays a five. You know, they're just they're deadly right now. They, and I I you know I ha- happen to think that their perimeter defense is elite. There was questions like, ah, these are kind of average names. Like you got to start the Lillard, you got to stop the Lillards, the Westbrooks, the Hardens. Uh, but it's like Avery, Danny Green, and KCP are all defensive players. Yeah, they're defensive. They they play on the defensive end. They're not looking for their offensive production. And then it's like coupled out with an AD and Braun. Just this team is going to make a title run for sure. Yeah, and then last night against the Suns, Rondo made his debut. And I think him coming back and into the mix. perimeter defender, another smart player. Uh, and a ball passer. handler. Yeah, and a ball handler. And so it's like if if Rondo can come off the bench, that's huge. Like I think that if they can bring Rondo off the bench, that'd be big time. He came but off I, the bench last night. But I also think that if you put him in the lineup, I said this all of last year, I really wanted to see Lonzo Ball, Rondo, and LeBron on the, on the court at the same time because I just think the, that three – like elite passers like that you put rondo and braun in the court and you have two of the probably top five passers walking on the planet yeah and in that same game against the suns kuz had his best game of the season last night uh he obviously has started off a little bit slower than he well, would have he got liked. the kuz has got the hardest job right now because yeah. he's got to find where he fits in and and he's kind of already established himself as like a, a scorer um, which that's what they need though, because they, there is lineups yeah. where which they've put LeBron and AD sit, and they have yeah. Green and KCP in and Avery yeah. Bradley in, and there's no production. Yeah. And see, and at see, the five. they should never have both of them out at the same time. That's yeah, like a, uh, like, but it's happened though, and, and I know it does. I and that's a, just like that's a bad call to me. I don't think there's you should have uh, both those guys out at the same time. Um, but I, yeah, it's like if Kuzma can be the guy that busts the second stringers, like when the second lineup's in at the end of the first That's quarter, beginning of the second, if he, if he needs to bust those guys, I mean, he just needs to take it to him. Um, or he, he just needs to, he's just got to, it's going to take some games. I mean, he, he got bumped down the, like the, the scoring list, I think with AD coming in the mix. So it's like it's obviously LeBron and AD's teams, and he's a forward, which LeBron and AD are both forwards. But he's like he is the third most talented player on the team. Right. He is the clear number three, but he plays the same position as your one and two. So uh, it's just gonna it's gonna be tough. And I think that that's like, you know, outside of like managing superstars like AD and LeBron, Frank, I think Vogel's got to really figure out. Who, who, what, where, what's Kuzma's role on this team? Yeah. Rotation, uh, you know, what, is he is he going to be a gunner? Are you going to try and bring him along slowly, you know? Yeah, it'll definitely it'll definitely be interesting to see. But I think just the, mo- the more that Kuz is out there and the more he gets back into the flow after not starting the season, he, it's, it's all just going to come together. Yeah, it, it's just – and it sucks that you can't play, like – you can't have a center out there with Braun, Kuz, and Ant. Yeah, like you just you'll get too big, and you'll and I just think the teams will expose that. And then it's like when he does play, he's not playing with both LeBron and Ant. You know, and LeBron, LeBron and Ant. It's a it's a tough fit, but I think they'll figure it out. Yeah. So before we wrap it up, the Lakers are in the middle of a game right now. What is the score of that against game? the Warriors? Yeah. What is the score of that game right now, Jacob? Uh, I don't. 69-57, Lakers are up. Oh, okay. But they are playing the Warriors. Do, well, 
Granted, we'll get, we'll get not to the taking Warriors. anything away from the Lakers and their success, but they are playing the Warriors. We'll get to the Warriors in a, in a little bit. Um, now, quickly, LeBron has moved up uh, in the history books uh, a little bit so far to start this young season. In the first few weeks of the season, LeBron has moved into seventh all-time uh, for free throws made, where he passed Lakers great Jerry West, and he is now 15th in all-time steals where he passed Kobe Bryant, which is pretty cool. And he became the first Lakers player in 32 years to record three straight triple doubles when he recorded three straight triple doubles on that three-game road trip against the Mavericks, the Spurs, and the Bulls. So, all right. Not bad. Yeah. Let's let's move on to the next topic, though. And that is something that happened – a couple weeks ago, but we haven't had the chance to talk about it since we took last week off. And that's the Carl Anthony Towns, Joel Embiid fight. So Carl Anthony Towns and Joel Embiid got into quite a scuffle a couple of weeks ago. Both Cat and Embiid were suspended for two games each without pay for their roles in the altercation and quote their continued escalation following the incident. I think we all saw what uh, both of those guys were posting on social media. But did, would you consider that a fight? In my opinion, it wasn't really a fight. Yeah, I mean, I, I just don't think that, like... No, I said scuffle. I think oh, most, well, yeah, some, I think people, most, some people chalk I think it up to most a fight. people are hating on him pretty tough. I, I don't think most people think they're about that life. I didn't really see any punches thrown. I think, I think both those guys are more bark than bike. Uh, and that's this generation in general. Yeah. I just think that that's how it is. Uh, that's as much action as you're gonna get, so I enjoyed it. Yeah, you'd rather run your fingers on th- Twitter than th- run your mouth in yeah. the uh, in the actual game. Yeah, and I, I like the fact that they don't like each other. That's cool. Like, to well, me, they're supposedly uh, they're friends off the court. I, yeah. They've I've seen a bunch of stuff where they interact on social media. Yeah. Don't they play like video games together? Yeah, too? I think so. But uh, but it's cool. Like the, the the most the new generation gets along, and it'd be cool if they don't get it wrong. I would also like that. I thought it was bullshit that Ben Simmons didn't get suspended. Yeah, Ben Simmons was deemed by the league to be a peacemaker and was not disciplined for his role in the scuffle. Yeah, you could right. see him on top of Carl Anthony Towns and basically put his arms around Cat like a chokehold when Cat was already on the ground and it was basically getting broken up. Uh, but yeah, I was I was definitely a little surprised to see that Ben Simmons I think it's wasn't a clear suspended. Yeah, I it, mean, I don't think there's like it doesn't matter what what do you mean intent like he choked the dude you know it doesn't matter I just I can't believe they didn't get him any time yeah I mean the the WWE meme with a uh, cat tapping the floor was a uh, definitely yeah, definitely I mean, a, the, uh, a hilarious like, one I mean cat's just get cat is just he's gonna have a weird legacy man he you know he's on the verge of just being the punk of the NBA and people just want to people just want to trash him. Yeah, I mean, Joel Embiid definitely had some some words to start off that press conference after the game. First of all, I ain't no bitch. <laughs> so, he I mean, it short and sweet. Yeah, exactly, short and sweet. So uh, he knows that. Uh, I mean, he, I think it's pretty well known that Joel Embiid isn't going to back down from anybody. Yeah, no, nah, Joel's a, a big fucking a big dude. He is know, one of the biggest guys in the and league, he, and he does have a lot of bark, but. You know, he also hasn't proved, like, hasn't really proven anything. You know what I mean? He hasn't won anything. Um, he's just still kind of like, he's just still kind of like that guy that 
wants to be known as the man and just – I mean, I think he's the best center in the league, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything right. when it comes to, you know, the all-time legends. Yeah. Now, both teams did go one and one without their superstar centers, but I was also trying to think back. When was the last time we saw a fight or scuffle or altercation, whatever you want to call it, between stars of this caliber? Like, Katten and Beat are two of the biggest young stars in the NBA right now. Yeah, no, I mean. The first one that came to mind was uh, the Mello, JR, Nate Robinson one. But, like, Mello was on yeah. such a level, and JR and Nate yeah, Robert yeah, such that, a step below. Yeah. Yeah, so that didn't uh, really count. No, nah, I Not mean, in that category. Like, the Malice was for sure had more caliber stars than that. Shaq and Barkley's yeah. fight. Yeah, and that's like deep. Um, there's gotta be there's gotta be, you know, like a more recent one I'm just not thinking of as far as Doctor J and Larry Bird. Yeah, well, I mean that's like one arguably the number one. Yeah. You know, that's which that. Charles Barkley in that uh game, he also got fined and suspended too, because they deemed that he was holding uh Bird back. Oh yeah, because he oh, was yeah. he was Irving's he teammate was, at the he time. Was, yeah, he was playing really, for the Sixers. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. There's there's interviews with him where he says, "What the hell? Why did I get suspended?" He's like, "I wasn't doing anything." <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess they were looking at people's reputations back then too. So I gotta think yeah. it's Rondo. You know, like oh, the got, Rondo CP3 oh, last yeah. year. Yeah, I was mm-hmm. like, it's got to be Rondo. I just and Bi, yeah, and just like, oh, I mean, just over over time, I think. Like the guys, I think they had the shot. It's like Rondo and Russ always had the me against the world. Like my team versus I don't fuck with the other twenty nine teams players. Yeah, type of attitude. Um, and then I, I don't think they ever fought. But Garnett and Duncan hated each other. Yeah, I don't think they ever. They probably got in probably shoving matches, but nothing yeah, like no, nah, nothing like this. But like Ben Wallace, Ron Artest, Jermaine O'Neal. Like Rashid yeah, too, like, Steven Jackson. Yeah, and like Steven's on a different level, but those other guys were stars. That's just a yeah. list of guys I would not want to get an altercation <laughs> yeah, with. Yeah. No, Starting sure with Rashid, Big Ben, Ron Artest. And, no, yeah, no. And just think, like even at that time, the old school people were saying the game was already getting soft. Yeah. So that's why old school people now are just like it's. Oh, ridiculous. it's really it's soft. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, Barkley called this fight a, a snuggle fest. Yeah, <laughs> if, if you recall on TNT. Yeah. Because it's not. Because had you clip that. Yeah. Because they're they're not really like, they're not really about that life. I don't think they're just like, they're trying to be physical without being too physical. Whereas like some guys were really trying to hurt you. And I think nowadays people are really serious about losing that money because those are oh, serious yeah. fines. Yeah. And you'll get hit with a fat suspension. Yeah. Yeah. But all right, moving on. The next topic we got, I think that kind of wraps up the fight talk for the NBA. The snuggle fest? Yeah. <laughs> what the hell is going on with the Warriors? They are 2-9. and nine. They're getting their ass kicked right now by the Lakers, apparently. They're dead last in the Western Conference. It's, They're taking the year off. Yeah. So Steph Curry broke his left hand two weeks ago. They're yeah. down by 19 right now, currently. Okay. So Steph had surgery a few days later after he got hurt. Uh, he's not going to be reevaluated until three months from now at the earliest. Good news is, though, it's not his shooting hand, but nonetheless a bone injury uh, is some is the type of injury where you need to let it heal fully before you even think about doing oh, anything. Who's the other guy that just broke his hand? On their team? No, 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 just another athlete that just broke his hand is going to miss some time. I'm not sure. It might yeah, be I can't another, think of the it name. It might be another NBA player. No, it is. It is but, uh, God, who is it? 
Um, it's not not Middleton. No, Middleton was a leg injury. Um, I'm just rolling through these teams really quick. Which there's been a it's lot of Gordon injuries. Hayward. Gordon Hayward. Yeah. And, and so a he's fracture. So what's funny is he's like he got the same injuries. Projected him as six weeks, and they're saying Steph's going to shut down for a season. Well, no, Steve Kerr ended up coming out and saying, like, no, like, we never said he's not going to come back. We're just going to. It'll just get extended and pushed back, you know. What yeah. I mean? they, they can play the game if they want to. But ultimately, I just think that they're taking a year off, and it's fucking smart. I mean, from a, a business standpoint, as far as the Warriors go, it's like, Clay's out. Don't push it. You know, Steph's got hurt. Um, we got to figure out what D'Lo has, and we're, we got to re we got to reconstruct our team. We've got to get new, like, all these new role players. And just like John Gruden did with the Raiders, I think, you know, you just don't, you know, get rid of anything that's not part of the future. Your stars are hurt. Let them rest up. Let Clay get better. Let Steph get better. Draymond's going to be here. And and Steve Kerr is getting the most out of a bunch of nobodies. Draymond's got to be pissed. Um, and so I think that, like, it's a smart move. Uh, they're going to get some good draft picks. They're getting some good. They're going to get some good role players come out of the season because this season they're going to give opportunity to a bunch of dudes that wouldn't normally get it. So they're going to find some pieces and all that, and uh, ultimately moving forward, they're going to get back in the mix. Yeah, yeah, there's just no easier way to put it. They they suck, and yeah, <laughs> no, that's, no, they're too. No, yeah, I the, mean, it's D'Lo and Draymond. You know what I mean? And that's sugarcoating it. They just they're yeah. not they're not playing well. Unfortunately, the injury bug hit them very hard starting last year in the postseason. Yeah. So at the time of Curry's injury, when he broke his hand, in the Warriors' last six games, they had lost KD to injury, and then ultimately trading him for D'Lo. They lost Clay, who suffered the torn ACL, and then Steph's injury makes it three long-term injuries in six games. Yeah, I think that I think if I'm Steve Kerr, I mean, I'm just trying to work with D'Lo, trying to work with Willie Cauley Stein, Draymond, and get these guys like Eric Paschal and these guys, you know, maybe maybe Glenn Robinson. Find these guys that are going to be on your team the next two three years, uh, and and build from there because I think that. Their window's not over. The Splash Brothers are going to be back. Draymond's going to be there. Yeah, um, they still gonna, have the pieces moving forward. But as of right they're, now, they're all right banged now, up. They have they have nothing, and they're going to take the year off. So you think best case scenario for the Warriors is basically throw it in for the year, try out a bunch of pieces that you have on the team now, see who's going to work with your system with your system and then basically next year when everybody's back healthy see what happens yeah because you need a bench so i think it's going to start for this team i think this franchise is going to start forming more similar to the spurs where you have longevity you don't necessarily have the players that are at the peak but you have good players i mean ginobili duncan and parker that back 10 years weren't the best players at their positions anymore but they were super effective and i think that that's what you're going to get out of clay out of steph out of draymond and maybe even D'Lo. I'm still not sold. On, I'm still not done on D'Lo. I think that he could be. Yeah, with this team, he doesn't uh, seem like the right fit. It, it's like he could be, He could, you know, it's like he could be the man this year and they can get rid of him for some more pieces or they could, you know, maybe he fits with the Splash Brothers and they, like, start something new. But I think that this year they, you know, they use they figure out what D'Lo going to bring. See, that's what I think. If I was in the position of the Warriors, you're in a bad situation, which – 
you have second and third year players playing for you right now and they're starting. But if you're in their position, you need to increase his uh, trade stock, get rid of him at the deadline. Right. So that that was going to actually be my next question. We saw the game that they had against the Minnesota Timberwolves. D'Lo dropped, like, I think 52. They ended up losing the game. But I legitimately think that game was a tryout for him to be like, yo, Minnesota, make a move for me. Like, get me out of this mess. I know it's not what I thought it was going to be. Because it didn't even seem like a good idea from the get-go. I didn't like it originally. Tyler then convinced me that it's low risk, high reward. Which it is. Which 100% it is. But I think with the way this year has gone, it's it kind of sucks because and, and the, with the way this year has gone, it's even become less risk because like for sure with with Curry and Clay being hurt, you never had a real shot, anyways. And it, but it just sucks, I think, for the Warriors because they never got to try it out. No, no, and and I really wanted to see Curry, D'Lo, and Clay on the court. Definitely not going to be able to see that this year, um, and more than likely, he's not going to stay with the team, which. Right. Kind of sucks because I wanted to see him as one of the, you know, the new Splash Brother. And he's really and yet to find a home for himself in the NBA for his career. Yeah, no, this is third team in four years. It's not a not a bad, not a good start, not a great start. But uh, I, I do like the Minnesota option. I think Wiggins could be a great player for the for the Warriors because that'd be an interesting swap because he fits right in at the three. Wiggins Steph, has been killing it this year Steph too. Clay and De- with Steph Clay and Draymond, he steps right in there at the three. Um, he's a you know similar talent, similar age as far as Russell goes. But Got that length and size that can be used on defense I think that the they Warriors like. Warriors are okay, I guess is the is the ultimate. Well, I wouldn't like, say they're okay right the, now. The, yeah, but I mean, as far as the franchise <laughs> oh, goes, in, in I the feel, future, I feel okay. Well, even like even in the present, because you know that the present is for the future, and it's right. just like. They still have Steph Clay and Draymond. They still have Steve Kerr, and they've and now they've got all this no pressure this whole year. No one expects them to do shit, and they can just figure out what they're going to be moving forward. Well, and we say we say it all the time: the worst place to be in the NBA and really in sports is in the middle. Yeah, no, exactly. So they they've been at the top. Now they're at the very bottom. The pick that they traded away with Kevin Durant to get D'Lo, that's top twenty protected. So that they're going to get that back. Yeah which is good. So they they potentially are going to have a high draft pick. So hopefully they can get another young talent. Who knows? Maybe LaMelo Ball. Tyler, you're wearing the Illawarra Hawks jersey yeah, right now. I mean, I, I think that, like I said, I, I, I would like to see an offensive player play with Steph and Clay because I think that Steph can play off the ball and can make other players better. And I think Clay is a two-way player. So he's like he needs ulti- somebody he, else. He's the ultimate. He's the ultimate, like, kind of, you know, He's like the Pippin, you know. He's just the ultimate teammate because he plays offense and defense. You can really play anybody with Clay. Um, but Golden State, they're they're just gonna. I, I'm just like after this year, this year they're not gonna be competitive. Um, and then moving forward, they're gonna be like the Spurs, where they're just gonna. They're never gonna be that chokehold on the league like they had the last five years. But they're always just gonna be like, yep, the Warriors. They're five, six, seven seed every single year. Yeah. All right. Last question before we move on from the Warriors. Have we ever seen a fall from grace this rapid for a team after the highs that the Warriors had to now being dead last in the Western Conference, just a year removed from being yes, in the NBA Finals? The Chicago Bulls in okay. 1999. In 99? Okay. Yeah, the Chicago Bulls, definitely. They just went, they tanked. I mean, they but, lost But it. this bad, though, from injuries, 
Yeah, I mean, well, they style. lost Pippen and Jordan, so they lost. They traded Pippen. Jordan retired. Right. Longley, uh, Luke Longley, and Tony Kukoc left in free agency. Uh, I mean, that that '99 Bulls team was completely obliterated. I mean, you almost want to put an asterisk next to it. It was so obliterated. Well, and this Golden State team is very similar. And then it's like, I mean, I was trying to think like the Co- like when Kobe and Shaq broke up, Kobe was still able to win the Lakers 38, 40 yeah, games. Yeah, it's a little bit different. Even for, get for his to the situation. playoffs. A, yeah. a couple of those years before they got pow yeah and it was like it almost got you almost got transitioned into it because right like if if that would have happened after the three p it would have been one thing like if kobe if shaq leaves after the three p and kobe wins 38 games that's a drastic but you had like you lost to the pistons in the finals you know or you lost to the spurs and in, in the playoffs and the next year you lost to the pistons in the finals yeah or or vice versa it's like it was kind of a slow bleed right um to the end for that for kobe and shaq it didn't just like happen uh happen abruptly right um it happens in football a lot though like i mean there's a lot of super bowl teams that don't make the playoffs the next year look at the falcons yeah i mean yeah that's a bad one <laughs> so all right moving on the next topic we got two more to talk about this one i think has probably been the hottest topic in the nba to start the season and that's load management. And I'm just I'm just gonna flat out ask you guys, what are your guys' thoughts on the load management issue in the NBA? It's bad it's bad for the product. it's like it's like a double edged sword because it's bad for the product in the sense that I truly believe like the NBA is for the like it's for the fans as much as it's for the players. So that's where the whole like that's kind of like the line in the sand. Like, you know, if I buy a ticket to watch, like if I save up money to see LeBron James and he doesn't you play, you want to see him at that like game. That that sucks. But at the same time, LeBron James is the product, so we want to do what's best for LeBron. So it's it's hard. It's it's a hard it's a hard line to cross. I think it comes down to scheduling. We posed this question uh, a couple months ago. It's like if you had executive power in the NBA, what was the, the first thing I said is I'm making a 66 game season. And you're getting rid of back to backs. And I'm getting rid of back to backs. I think that's how you combat this. Why players are sitting out is because of scheduling. Okay, we'll just schedule less games so then fans know that their guys are going to be there. And it's like there should be there should be penalties for like not for primetime players not playing in primetime games. It sucks. Because from a strategy standpoint, for like Coach Popovich thinks that that's stupid. Like, why, why should I have to like change? Like, why should I have to play my guys in a primetime game because they want to play their game on TNT tonight? When I think I need to sit Tim Duncan, and he because, got fined for that. Yeah, he and, did. And he did because, but it's like from from Popovich's standpoint, he's correct. From the NBA standpoint, they're correct. Right. Because fans paid money. You know, they, people work during the day and it's hard and people are basketball fans and they want to come home and be able to watch shit at night you know what i mean and watch a game and most people can only see nationally televised games yeah. and so it takes away it takes away from the product but the players are the product so where where do you want to you know where, where do you do draw you wanna, the line where do you want to also deals with these uh these programming companies too espn uh, NBA TV, so TNT, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So that's why yeah. you're paying all this money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, yeah. so you, you want to be able to see the, these guys play, but if you want to be able to see them play well over the course of a year, they need to take time off. They can't be playing all these games. So, I think that all comes down to scheduling. I think the schedule, the NBA scheduling, is the issue. If they fix that, there will be no load management stuff. So, 
I mean, it's it's known that Kawhi Leonard has not played both ends of a back-to-back since April of 2017. Doc Rivers last week got fined $50,000 for saying Kawhi, quote, feels great to the press before the game started, but on the Clippers' official injury report, it said that Leonard would be held out of the game against the Milwaukee Bucks because he was, quote, managing a knee injury. That game against the Bucks was a nationally televised game by ESPN, but was the first game of a back-to-back that the Clippers were set to play. And that next game, the second game of the back-to-back, would be against the Portland Trailblazers in another nationally televised game that would be on TNT. So Kawhi decided that he would sit the first game, play the second game. That's what the Clippers and Kawhi decided. Which they're picking and choosing which games he sits. Right. Yeah. And this is kind of a, I guess this is kind of a bad example because both of these games were nationally televised. So he had to sit out one of them either way. But it, it well, if you're gonna sit him on back to backs, he has, he doesn't have to sit out anything. Exactly. I mean? And mind I you, this this, uh, this strategy worked for Toronto. It worked for Toronto. It, it worked Bingo. for it worked for San Antonio. Bingo. That's why Kawhi is the ultimate the ultimate representation of this issue. It worked for him. Why would he stop doing it? He sat out in that game that we just talked about against the against Popovich and the Heat in primetime in 2016 or whatever it was. Yeah. He was one of those Spurs players that sat and Popovich got fine. He but what happened? He won a championship against LeBron James as the Heat. He beat the Golden State Warriors, the team that was on. it's worked for him. So do you want to see him play on prime time when you buy a ticket with your hard-earned money do you want to see Kawhi Leonard play or do you want the guy to be able to win championships the thing for me is there's no right answer no and but the thing for me is I always go back to what Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan always said they were always playing for the person in the arena that it was their first time yeah, seeing what if them that's play your person. Only time yeah, that's going a mindset a though. That's like that's not a that's a different strategy of being of the person you are. Kawhi Leonard's like strategy is to win championship games. So he's sitting back. He's like, I don't give a fuck if you think you're some tough guy that can play all 82 games. Kiss my jewelry. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, no word for yeah, word for Kobe and Mike, and that's why they won. But this is also why Kawhi's winning. Yeah, no doubt. Now. Fix the schedule. It'll be fine. <laughs> they won't by, do this. But, but, but you saying by fixing the schedule, are you saying no more back-to-backs or reducing the full NBA schedule? He's saying both. Both. So eliminate I, I think, 82 I think games you, and scale it down. Yeah. My proposition is 66-game season. You play every game in your – you play every team in your division. The four – there's five teams in each division. The four other teams, you play them four times each, two at home, two on the road. And then every, and then the twenty five other teams in the NBA, you play twice, one at home, one on the road, and that's it. Yeah, and usually most teams are playing around thirteen to fifteen back to back, so that's eighty two and sixty six. That kind of works that out right that there. You're taking out sixteen games, and every single city sees every single player, and then the divisional rivalries are there for the competitiveness of getting into the playoffs. Um, it's just I think that's an easy fix. So now on the flip side, load management is obviously a thing in the NBA. Teams it's very complex too of like the dealing with it as teams. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, yeah. If, I mean, if you want to expand on it, Jacob, go for it. Well, uh, so breaking it down, when they talk about load management, everything that goes into it, from practices to uh, post game recovery to even the lack of sleep that these players get. You know, when you're on the road and stuff like that, it's a, a psychological. Um, uh, effect on the body too so 
a lot of these uh, teams and um, franchises, they're basing this off of what can we do to uh, lengthen our player season? And so that's, that's what it's come down to, and that's what it's a very complex thing. Like Tyler's saying, do you want to go to a game and see your favorite player? Yeah, you do. Who doesn't? Right. But at the, and at the same time, TV companies are paying money for these deals. Right. So at the same time, you have that issue as well. And as a player, you want to have your career go longer, but yeah. you also want to win. So that's why it's a very complex issue in the Wh league. Which is why the ultimate, like, wh why I always come back to scheduling is like, because scheduling is about the dollar. It's not about the fan. It's not about the player. Right. And, and th those are the two people that are, it's not, there's, someone's losing, no matter what, right? There's no right choice. Scheduling is the right choice, but why they won't make that happen is because they're losing money. Yeah, so I mean, that's like sixteen games, every team times thirty. That's how many, how much money you're losing from not. I have a question for, for both games. of you guys. I also have heard. Now, this is a very small opinion that I've heard from people, but does any of these roots of, the, of this problem come from AAU basketball? Because you're starting kids off at a very young age, and they're playing in tournaments. I don't think every it, weekend. I don't think it has to do necessarily with AAU basketball. I think there are problems with AAU basketball and youth basketball and all of that, but I think it's the the constant of playing it twelve months out of the year. You gotta switch it up. I I hear so many athletes. Michael Thompson, former number one overall draft pick, two time Lakers champion. His son, Clay Thompson. Uh, professional athlete his son trace thompson professional athlete professional baseball player his son michael thompson professional basketball player he plays in the g league and overseas yeah. he made sure that when it wasn't basketball season his kids were playing other sports yeah so their bodies fresh it, their bodies were fresh they weren't using the same muscles they were using playing basketball or baseball whichever one uh his sons were playing so i think it's that focus so young on a singular sport and, and i think a lot of, a lot to do with load management too to me is like it's something that's been ingrained in sports forever as far as like you're a professional athlete so you're going to monitor like yeah you could work out 14 hours a day every single day but they've done modern medicine and science tells you that's a bad idea right it's like you know pitchers have pitch counts you know i practice throughout the week quarterbacks don't throw a certain amount of balls you know, during the week, they keep account of throwing. You know, they've there's been elements of, you know, load management in sports for a long, long time. I think that, you know, medicine and science is getting better, and people are professional athletes, so they're always trying to balance rest and training to get to peak for peak performance. Well, and it's like it's known, like LeBron James spends like over a million dollars on his every body player a could year. do 82 games. It's just like, do I want to? Like, is it well, the best for me? They can do it. It's just that is it the best? Is it the best? There's just some, well, to argue that there is some players that obviously can't handle it, and that's why they break down faster than others. People's bodies are different, and so an 82 game season to let's just say LeBron, who spends yeah. X amount of dollars on his body, to a third year player, LeBron's going to have the upper hand in that yeah, situation. Yeah, third year player is going to be 24 years old. You know what I mean? But even, I th but even oh, then, he's going to be 21 years old. Yeah. yeah. So, well, I mean, I just think that there are there are veterans that could use it, and I but I think that they're just being smart. They just have to be smarter about their bodies and, and be more you know careful when you get up uh, up into your 30s rather than versus your 20s yeah so i mean like we've already seen players like kevin durant victor oladipo boogie cousins john wall blake griffin yusuf nurkic 
Paul George, Steph Curry. The Gordon, list goes on yeah, with Gordon countless Hayward. injuries already so, like, for the these, season. These players, and recently we got Chris Middleton, Eric Gordon, De'Aaron Fox, all those players that I just mentioned, they've either been ruled out for the entire year already and were hurt in the offseason. They have yet to make their season debut because they're recovering from injuries from the offseason or the season prior. Or these, well, and basically the players that have yet to make their debut, their teams are probably planning on managing their load this season. Which that then, was another piece to it. It's mainly the load management is usually coming to the people recovering from an injury, like a Joel Embiid, you know, right, let's say. that situation. Yeah. But also in that group of players, there's also a category of players that have been ruled out already 10 games into the season for more than a month or a month a month or longer. So it's like when they get back, are those teams going to be looking to, to manage their I think, loads? I think there's ethics involved too. Like Kawhi Leonard obviously wasn't hurt to the same extent that John, like maybe John Wall was, you know what I mean? Like their load man, they're, you know, when players start to like, oh, I'm hurt, like I'm load management, and there's players that are coming off of serious injuries where it makes a little more sense. Like that's just like who's telling the truth and who's fibbing to get a game off, you know? Like, yeah. You can't really stop that. You can't stop. I think injuries have always been, a, you know, a big factor in sports. And I think there's more injuries now than there was before. Yeah. So, I mean, it's load management is definitely a touchy subject in the league. And, there's no win. Yeah. And uh, teams uh, teams are at risk of getting fined for sitting players. Yeah. Players are at risk of getting fined for sitting out games. So it's, it's a major, it's a major, uh, it's a major ding to the to the brand yeah and it, i think it's there's got to be a solution for it yeah, when, when the options are your fan loses or your or your, your player, pockets lose your player no the pockets never lose the, the the money's coming in for the for the nba no matter what that's I think, true i think either the players uh players and coaches lose because they're they're not all, they're they're like you know not managing their body like they want to right or the fans lose because they are managing their bodies and we don't get to see it I yeah. think the best solution is just what Tyler said. It, they have talked about it before, and it just seems like the most uh, just, obvious solution. I just unfortunately, don't think it's going to happen no. because they make too much money off all these games. Yeah, I mean, by shortening it, you know, twenty-four games or whatever the the amount would be, you're just think about all the money you're losing if you're an NBA player, if you're a franchise. Oh, the owners would never TV go for deals. It. Yeah, it's no. four hundred. It's four hundred and eighty games you're missing out on if you cut it to a sixty-six game season. Yeah. So, all right, let's close it out with the final topic. And I wanted to talk about two players that I think are going to be linked together for the rest of their careers, really. And that's Trey Young and Luka Doncic and how good they've played to start the year 10 games in. Trey Young, he's averaging 28 points per game, 4.3 rebounds a game, 8.7 assists per game. He's shooting 46% from the field and 40% from the three-point line. He had 42 points and 11 assists last night in a win for the Atlanta Hawks over the Denver Nuggets. And then he tweeted after the game, quote, your apology needs to be as loud as the disrespect was. How do we feel about that, boys? I mean, I love Trey Young. I've been on it. He's my guy. I've, I've been stoked for the Hawks all year. So I love seeing Trey play good. And he's, he's doing exactly what I thought. And that's he has the ability to be Steph Curry. Yeah, I think he's been very impressive to start the year. There really hasn't been any sign of a sophomore slump. He did get hurt uh, in the first few games and had to miss a couple games. But since coming back, he hasn't really missed a step. No, nah, ice tray, baby. 
And I think he has the the young pieces to surround him. Unfortunately, Collins is out. Yeah. But I think it, this is where you really see him, where he can take over now. Yeah, Collins getting suspended 25 games for it the did steroids. Not help, did not help that uh, Trey, chemistry on the Trey team. Trey and Luca are, are all-stars in this league for the next decade. I think they're they're set up to be uh, set up to be studs. Luca looks like the European LeBron, and Trey looks like the next Steph. Yeah, so Luka Doncic this season to start out, he's averaging 28.3 points per game, 10.3 rebounds a game, 9.1 assists per game. He's shooting 48.5% from the field, and he's shooting 32% for three-point line. He's the youngest player in NBA history with a 15-assist triple-double. He's the youngest player with 10-plus triple-doubles to start out his career, passing Magic Johnson and LeBron James. And then he's the second player in NBA history with three 20-point triple-doubles in the first six games of a season. Luka did that this season. Oscar Robertson did that way back when. And then he's also tied for the league lead in triple-doubles so far this season with four total triple-doubles, 10, game 10 games in. LeBron James also has four triple-doubles. I I was talking, actually, funny enough, with uh, Bootleg Kev from Real 92.3 and over the weekend at Camp Flognaw, and he was saying he thinks Luke is already a top-10 player in the league. He said there aren't 10 players he would take off the top of his head before he took Luca before he took Luca he said he would take him somewhere in that 10 well just of the list that you read off his accolades are piling up fast it's crazy and only his second year yeah no I mean he's ready to go he's 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 a young superstar in the league he's about to be a just a generational type player yeah I I mean I was I thought that draft class had multiple possible MVP candidates and I think he is definitely going to be an MVP candidate in some time in his career. Yeah, I mean, he's already close to averaging a triple-double in his second season in the league, and I know we talk about it a lot with Luka, but I just I can't stress it enough how important I think it was that he became a professional basketball player at, like, 16 and all of that experience of playing against grown men and how much it has helped him in the NBA yeah, it, when so yeah. many people thought he wasn't it's, it's just it's a whole tough, it's a whole part, the, it's a whole part of the learning curve he he already had gotten accomplished before he got there yeah which is what lamella's got lamella ball's got that going for him right now couldn't agree more um were there any other guys or rookies you guys have been impressed with so far this year well the two from from miami uh tyler hero and kendrick, uh, kendrick nunn Nun. yep yeah. both of them have been very good yeah, I mean, I was a big fan of Tyler coming in, so that's cool. And then Kendrick Dunn was definitely a surprise. And then, uh, I mean, I think that that whole Charlotte Hornets team, all those young kids, I mean, they're not necessarily rookies, but Miles Bridges, Devontae Graham, Cody and Caleb Martin, um, P.J. Washington, they're just they're all getting opportunities to hoop on a bad team. And they've uh, they've all had, like, some, some bright spots and – you know, a lot of those guys are probably going to earn, you know, a career in this league due to how bad Charlotte is this year. Yeah, I definitely think Charlotte's had a few more bright spots to start out the season than most would have thought they would have had this early. Well, they started off bad in the summer by paying all that money to, um, who was their point guard they signed from Boston? Rozier. Yeah. yeah. Well, you gotta, That's, you gotta, they already started off bad you right there. You got to pay somebody. Yeah. No, they, they, they paid the wrong person. Everybody else got scooped up right in front of them. Yeah, no, it was definitely a tough decision to let Kemba go. But uh, all right, I th- I think that that's it, really. I, that's all I got. Unless you guys got anything else. Shout out the Sounders, MLS Cup champs, Seattle team, bringing home the chip. 
two-time MLS Cup champ, only six franchises in MLS Cup, more than one. We're one of them. All right. 70,000 in Seattle to watch the game. At the length? That's dope. 70,000. I think a record, record uh, MLS record crowd, I'm pretty sure. That's amazing. All right, Jacob, you got a shout-out before we get out of here? I do. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks for beating the Niners because I couldn't stand all the Niners fans. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> seeing them rack up wins and still be undefeated. All right. Well, uh, I, I got to shout out Cody Bellinger of the Los Angeles Not Dodgers. The Mariners, man, you know, we're just going to make it a clean sweep of Seattle teams. What, what, the whole what Seattle the show. have anything there's, to be shouting there's out. There's nothing. I, I, I couldn't even take myself serious <laughs> taking saying it out loud. But anyways, I got to shout out Cody Bellinger of the Dodgers for winning the Gold Glove Award as an outfielder this season. It's the first in his career, but I think he's got many more in store for him. He's also a finalist for the NL MVP award, and that is going to be announced tomorrow. So good luck to Cody. And then also, again, I just want to welcome Jacob as an official member of the TSK show yeah, crew. Sure, man. We're, we're definitely excited to have you join us every week from now on, man. Oh yeah. You know it. I'll be here every, uh, every day that we uh, do the podcast or once a week, I should say. Yeah. So, all right. With that, that wraps up this episode of the TSK show. Be sure to rate review and subscribe on Apple podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you decide to listen to the TSK show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Don't forget to follow at TSK show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow all of us at the Duke of sports at Tyler Pacholke and at Jacob double underscore Gonzalez. We appreciate you all so much for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode of the TSK show. Peace.